Hey, everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today is our Top Movies of 2021 episode. That's right, the one we do every year, and just like last year, I've got my brother Stevie here to help break down our Top Movies of the Year. Stevie, welcome. Great to be back as the uh, unofficial co-host, sort of annual guest. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking back, too. I was like, you know... Uh, we got to get on more than just this year thing, but we did. We uh, we had a, an episode on Tree of Life that we did back in right. uh, in May, which was awesome. That movie, you know, only gets better with time. If yeah. only that movie was on our list this year, that would be great. But uh, yeah, before we dive into it, uh, I'll just ask, uh, how are movies for you? How have movies been this year in, in uh, 2021, this year in review? The movies are good. Uh, a lot of great movies. My complaint, I've expressed this to you before. My complaint is that obviously I kind of rely on you to invite me to the movies. We've got our AMC pass. Alex, of course, being the comics and cinema king only invites me to the big superhero movies. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the stuff that I'd like to see slips under the radar. Of course, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not at fault for that. Of course, I, if <laughs> I want to see right. the movies, that I got to go right. out there and see them too. But yeah. And it's, it's tricky because, you know, things will be in theaters for a very quick period of time and then, I don't know if they're going to be on streaming or whatnot. So there's like a lot of things that I didn't get to see that I wish I had, especially prior to this list. But, you know, for example, Eyes of Tammy Faye, apparently that's on HBO now. We could watch that soon. Uh, I didn't see Spencer with my girl Case Stew. So, yeah, there's certain things here and there. But, you know, all in all, I don't think this was super hard to make this list. I wasn't, you know, dipping deep into stuff. I, I had a good amount of movies that I enjoyed this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. And I think it's something we need to actually need to get you on the record for right now because okay. uh, I've I've mentioned you anecdotally in a lot of episodes just around this idea of lore, right. and uh, that whole idea was actually birthed out of that conversation of why aren't we going to the movies, or uh, why aren't we going to see X, Y, and Z movies? Which again, so is is a bummer. Um, I love going to see films, all kinds of films. Uh, Stevie's, uh, well, I'm smiling. (laughs) I'm smiling. I'm always smiling. I'm I'm always happy. But uh, no, there's just, there's a lot of lore. And and it's funny because there's some movies in here too that, uh, and maybe we get into it. There's a very few movies this year that not only are on the list, but were successful uh, theatrically that weren't lore. Uh, most movies these days are lore related and it's just it's interesting so i know we got we got the time we got the topic i'm just curious as to your thoughts of what uh you know you guys what is lore yeah you you dear listeners you guys listen to me in and out talking about all these movies that we love (laughs) all the reasons why you know spending hours on this content and uh there's a whole nother side of this coin that i've i've touched on multiple times but here he is now to kind of provide his piece on this i'm just curious where, where do you see the movie industry going? Because, you know, and the biggest thing that I've looked at is, uh, and I think I talked about it in the last episode, was around the difference between Spider-Man No Way Home and West Side Story. And how you've got a movie like West Side Story, you know, a cl- critically acclaimed director making it. It's a very crisp, clean movie, much more diverse than the original, but it is a remake and it is a, re- it is, it is a musical. And it also only made $10 million the weekend it came out. And there was a lot Oof. of articles that were written around that about why did it bomb? Why did this movie bomb? It had somebody wanted it. 
Right, right. That's my it, exactly. That. No one wanted it. Exactly. And then you 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 get into this conversation of, well, what are what are the movies that uh, people do want? And when you're judging yeah. based off the box office, it's Spider-Man movies, uh, clearly, because, you know, Marvel released four movies this year and the other three did not even come close to what uh, No Way Home is doing right now. And obviously the Marvel ones did well and other movies did well, like Fast and the Furious 9 and uh, i'm trying to think of a few others godzilla versus kong was another big one uh james lore movies james bond another lore movie uh all of those movies did really well at the box office but i just what do you see going forward because the movie industry has changed dramatically we're in this new age and this year was the big year of it of simultaneous releases on hbo max like matrix which we still need yeah. to get to but also like godzilla versus kong others like that is that the route? I mean, how do you how do you introduce a new movie that has no preconceived notions, no lore around it in this day and age? Well, there's a lot of questions you just asked that I, I know. don't know how. I, I'll try to respond to things bits and pieces. <laughs> first, throw you just, the sand. first, with West Side Story, my thought there is like I I understand that every couple years or so there's a big musical that comes out, and there's a lot of people that love musicals, so they're going to make those movies do well. But I think the problem with West Side Story is all those diehard musical fans are probably already so much a fan of the original West side story that they really don't care about a remake. That would be my guess. I, I have no evidence to back that up. I just, I feel like there's a whole camp of musical fans that have their own hive mind. I don't really know how it works, but that would be my um, theory there. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Okay. Getting into the lore, you've probably explained what this means to you. Do you want my definition or I mean, is it different than mine? What? Let's hear. I don't know. Let's I hear. just Let's so hear. for me, any lore movie would be like a movie that's part of some bigger picture where you can't really walk into it not knowing what it's about. Like either it's you know a sequel, prequel, somewhere down the line, a remake. I mean, sometimes you can walk into a remake not knowing that it's a remake and still understand it. But so many of those remakes nowadays are embedded with callbacks and this and that, and it's like. It's this idea that you there's a, a broader picture that you have to be aware of that, you know, you're taking bags with you to the theater, right? There's some baggage that comes with these movies. And it's not always a bad thing, right? I mean, everybody has, you know, some series that they enjoy. Like for me, a lot of the Star Wars movies I love. So like, I like my share of Lord movies here and there too. But I personally, I love seeing a movie that I know nothing about and have no expectations going into it. And it's like, maybe I saw a trailer, maybe I know an actor that's in it. And it's like, okay, you know, sweep me up in this brand new world, this brand new story. And then when I'm done, I'm done. So that's, yeah, there's my distinction for lore. Is that different from yours? No, that's, that's identical to mine. I mean, I, I will always remember that's a core memory now of us uh, with Harry <laughs> eating at uh, fuzzies while I was trying to name a movie that wasn't lore related. Right. Well, and you I guys, kept messing up. <laughs> you guys were trying to shift the boundaries or Harry was definitely talking about was well, there such a thing as director lore like you have to see the movie as part of the director's catalog or <laughs> actor lore which I don't think that's fair even like you know like Wes Anderson movies for I was example. gonna say like, that's an interesting one but they're not like connected like you could watch any one of them and not really like you don't have to know things True. from the other movies um last bit you asked about like what the the future of movies or like yes. where things yeah are where does it go now with this how do we get more non-lore lore i don't the... know alex people love lore that's like the, i don't know percentage wise of the population like how many people prefer to go into a movie and already be familiar with the characters and all that stuff because like there's effort that's required 
for both, right? For lore, there's effort in the sense that you have to be caught up on all this stuff. And I'm noticing this now with the Marvel movies that I go to, I don't watch any of the TV shows. So there's things I don't understand. So I didn't do my homework there. Whereas when you go to an, and do a non-lore movie, you have to do work in the sense of getting to know new characters and you know immersing yourself in this completely foreign story and foreign world. And some people probably would rather do the lore side of things because they've already invested the time beforehand. And it's just easier for them to say, oh, I know Spider-Man or I know the, the gang from Fast and Furious. I'll go watch that. I think they I prefer think to that's be called a higher family. Demand. <laughs> the family, yeah. Uh, but I think that lore stuff's in higher demand. I mean, people just find more comfort in that, I guess. Because, yeah, other movies, standalone movies are going to challenge you more when you actually watch them. So I don't right. think people are looking for a challenge these days. Well, you know, I think that that's a product of the times, too. I think True. we're we're in a period right now where I don't think it's wrong to blame people for not wanting that because yeah, there's exactly. a lot of stuff going on. But the problem that I see with that, which, again, you could argue that it isn't a problem for me, but the problem that I see is that eventually all movies are lore. And right. you get into this weird Wally situation where, you know, in the future, all that's there is the, you know, Fast and Furious 63 and, uh, you know, Marvel number 98. I think I'm it's, looking, <laughs> it's yeah. all a, a symptom of what started, I think, with the word content, right? The idea that it's not about, you know, art or telling a story. Sometimes it's just about providing content, giving the people what they want. Mm -hmm. you know filling them until they get their next bit of content maybe it's a drip feed whatever you want to call it all those sound <laughs> like negative connotations but like you said i mean if that becomes the standard and all the movies that succeed or lore it's you know it's going to be this loop of feedback where that's what's going to get funded that's what's going to get made and then you know you just kind of stifle creativity but i i don't know it's it's never permanent i mean there's always going to be young people you know our age maybe even younger that fight back against that resist it and they're looking for other things and then they discover new stuff and they have you know a whole other world of movies to explore yeah i just didn't think that we would be on that type of roller coaster in our lives i thought it was just going to be a steady stream of stuff and i almost think that the pandemic has turned it into this where it's you know the movie theaters themselves cinema cinema is uh is on life support at this point yeah and these are the you know hate them or love them the marvel movies are keeping the industry afloat yeah and there's definitely some honor to be had there but at the same time uh i'm actually now that i'm thinking about it it makes me kind of excited for the future because i think hum humans in large amounts you know at some point they're going to get tired of it right? Like you can't just keep giving them lore. They're going to hate it at some point. You can't have, you know, 31 seasons of Simpsons with movies in that sense where it's the same stuff over and over. And I could see where, you know, these movies, they, they bring back cinema and, you know, people are going to the movies again and yeah, there's a lot of lore, but then eventually some of these younger filmmakers, they start making their own original movies because they're sick and tired of all the lore. And yeah. then we get this whole brand new batch of stuff that we, you know, unfortunately have to wade through. And I'm looking at the, the featured list here on IMDb and it's got the Peacemaker series, which is <laughs> bounce off of uh, Suicide yeah. Squad. How I Met Your Father, a Hulu original, uh, a Scream remake. Uh, it, like there's just the one there's a I will lot say, of <laughs> do you want to watch is there's a mcgruber show now yes i saw that the peacock as much one, as, yeah, yeah. Know, i would get a peacock character, i would watch that because i'd love mcgruber but and see yeah, that's the no. thing though it's like there's there's content for everybody there's lore for everybody and i i totally get your perspective though and it happens to me too i love a good movie that i can go into and for example we just saw and i'm sure it might be on both of our lists uh don't look up 
I thought yeah. that that was a great, but that's you know gets into Harry's directorial argument. Of, There's uh, not, is there I don't some buy more? that argument. I don't. But buy yeah, that but argument. yes, uh, that's more of a external argument to say that if you know who the director is, you're going to have more of a time enjoying them. Like anytime I go into an Adam McKay movie, I know what I'm going to expect, and it's, yeah, it's still the not, same. It just it's doesn't great. require you to know anything. Like you don't have to right. know who Adam McKay is even to enjoy it. Yeah, but I yeah I I think it's interesting that you are willing to concede that fatigue might take hold for a lot of people. I'm obviously ahead of that curve, where I'm pretty much fatigued <laughs> with all these lore stuff already. Yes, but like honestly, I hope that that point comes not because I want to see things fail. I just want to see more creative stuff. Then the, like, the next thing we are, it yeah. feels like we're in a. And I, it's weird to call in terms of like a bell curve, but I guess you could call it a bell curve for new movies. I wouldn't call it a bell curve for cinema because I would say right now we're on the downward turn of that bell curve in terms of lots of lore movies, not a lot of original content, but we're going to hit this point at the bottom where, and again, you hear from a lot of movie studios of shoving so much in our faces that uh, we don't want it anymore. And that's when I think more creative things are going to happen. I mean, you look at Disney Plus's slate, and again, I'm, I, I love Disney, but it just seems like every studio, Disney, Hulu, HBO, they're all like, ooh, what's the show that we can reboot? What's the movie we can reboot? And it's like, yeah, that's not a sustainable practice because 90% of those shows, they cancel them after one season. And it's like, yeah. well, we told you. I'm like, well, we didn't tell you because we never said we wanted that. True. Um, but yes, I, I thank you for having that. I, I wanted to kind of get that out. Like I said, I've been I've been mulling over that all year long, and I'm also glad I got to get you on recording saying that you know these lore movies are good. So let's uh... <laughs> they can be good. Let's be careful. I'm not saying they're all bad necessarily. Uh, they can a... be. I mean, they they any movie can be enjoyable. I sure, just am yes. personally tired of all of the lore. Yes, but no, and, and, and it's not wrong. I mean, there's a, I I get that tired of it too sometimes, but yeah. Uh, I quickly recharge and then I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are going to be talking our top movies of 2021, just like we said at the beginning of this, though. Uh, it's been a super weird year. There's some movies that we haven't seen, uh, and I'll, I'll be sad to see one of them and wish that I put it on this list after we watch it. Uh, and I hope that's the case because I don't want to wish that I watched the movie and then go, ah, thank God I didn't have to put this on that list. But right. no. um, so, yeah, ones like that, like you said, Eyes of Tammy Faye and Matrix just came on HBO. And I really want to check those both out. So, uh, you know, who knows? All, all to say that we reserve the right to change these lists at any point in time if we do so. But today on January 4th, uh, we are going to be going through our five honorable mentions and then we will dive into our top tens. So what we'll do is we'll just go back and forth, Stevie. Yeah. And uh, say a couple words for it. Uh, if you end up having it on your list too, feel free to chime in. Uh, yeah. But uh, we'll save what place on the list it is for when it actually gets to your spot. Sure. So that way you don't have to reveal it. So uh, as always, guests first. So Stevie, what do you got for your, uh, whoop, your number 15 or your first honorable mention? Okay. Yeah. And I did kind of rank my honorable mention. So I'll, I I'll did kind too. of work my way up the list. Um, my first honorable mention then is going to be Shang-Chi. Ooh. Look at that. Right up wow. the gate with a Marvel movie, a concession. That, you know, all this lore discussion, not a lot of lore there. And I appreciate that. Right? It felt very fresh. It felt very contained. That's another issue I have with not just Marvel, but all the superhero movies in general is there's this sense with every movie that they have to make the threat bigger, that people aren't going to care if the universe isn't ending. But I don't, I don't think we have to take it that big. I like kind of a more intimate thing and of course the end here gets a little bit like that but it's all sort of contained in this area it's a very localized fight um, i love the different 
you know, special effects with the animals. You had these different creatures from like, uh, you know, Chinese culture that were included. That was really cool. And yeah, it just, it was a fun movie. Like I said, in and out, didn't have to know any lore, of course. By the time you get to the end, they're getting tied into the Avengers. And I'm rolling my eyes personally, but I know that's what everybody wants. So good for them, I guess. But as a standalone movie, I enjoyed that one. So nice that's, I'm my glad. Thoughts. that's exciting i'm glad i I'll, I'll be excited to see if any more make your list though i know that's uh grasping at straws at this point but i agree with you i think you might be pleasantly surprised and i will say on that note just in case under the assumption uh we will be talking spoilers if you have not seen spider-man no way home uh that is uh i will spoil just that it is on my list sounds like it could be on stevie's list just based on what i remember from his reviews of the other marvel movies that definitely are not on this list so uh just fair warning if none of you have seen that movie listening uh just so you're aware but i have a feeling we won't be talking about those for uh, a little while my number 15 uh my first honorable mention is nobody uh which is the bob odenkirk movie Uh, i didn't even realize until you know like a month ago that actually came out in 2021 because uh, mom and dad were going on about that movie of how good it was. And I knew it was right. going to be. Uh, but then there was a yeah, there was an Amazon sale. And so I got the 4K for 10 bucks. And it was a fantastic purchase. The movie is really good. Bob Odenkirk does such a good job of being a kind of a white collar uh, John Wick in a sense where he's like, just your every he i mean he's, that's what he says i'm nobody he's uh he's just a nobody but he's also a really badass fighter so uh, i'm always a sucker for those john wick type movies uh, so that one definitely made the list there's a great uh great scene in there where a guy gets a, a triple headshot uh well and he's not a triple <laughs> headshot no scope he has a um, rifle doesn't even look down the scope he's like falling and he fires it off and gets all three of them and it was insane I'm, I'm, um, i haven't seen it yet but i know it was a big hit maybe we'll get a sequel called nobody else um <laughs> no i'll have to borrow that one from you because yeah i've only heard good things about it yeah yeah absolutely okay number 14 yeah next for me uh this is uh this one's a little bit of a deeper cut this is a horror movie on hulu called in the earth I think it was on Hulu that I watched this. This is just, you know, we've been in this habit. This is usually it's me, Joey and Cameron of just, you know, and sometimes you're involved. We just pick random movies and watch them, usually Mm -hmm. horror movies. And we've seen some stinkers granted, you know, movies like malignant, um, all due respect to that shows up (laughs) on your list, but it does not in the earth in the earth is a really cool. I can't even remember entirely what the premise is. There's like these researchers, you know, looking into something in the forest and there's like a lot of psychedelic elements and you know people just going insane i don't know it was just a really fun engaging horror movie and i you know as far as horror movies go there's not much more you can ask for but i really enjoyed that one i would definitely recommend checking it out nice i think you mentioned it at some point um my 14 is also a i guess you could call it some kind of horror movie for me it's it's not horror at all it's a lot more exciting than that uh my number 14 is the forever purge Ah. which uh, was not necessarily unexpected. I think there have been previews that this was going to be coming out for a while. And this is one of those instances where I, those of you listening, you know, this, Stevie, I love the purge movies. I've always loved them. There's a, a big piece of lore there that I love of the uh, just what a mirror it holds up to society. And what I loved about it so much too, is that each film, even though they all are about the same thing, they're all about the purge. uh, They all take place from different perspectives 
And so this movie took it one step further and and did twice of that. So we haven't seen from a perspective of, uh, in this case, it's a Mexican-American family that uh, um, it's a, they immigrate over the border, but they, they sneak over. So they, they illegally immigrate over and they, you know, get jobs, all of a sudden, really cool story. But at the same time, the story is also what would happen. And this it's crazy how it, you know, came out this year with everything that happened with like January 6th. It said, what if the purge didn't end on purge night? And so basically the premise is a lot of the, uh, it was a lot of like right-wing hyper-conservative people got on the chat rooms and all agreed that like, after the purge, they're going to do the forever purge where they're just purging everything. And so uh, really cool concept. Also loved it took place in Texas. So uh, loved that movie. Got to see that one in theaters. And uh, that was also part of the sale when I got nobody. So I got to rewatch that again. Um, but just really enjoyed it. Really high point for the series. Makes me want more. But at the same time, I thought it was a really cool uh, kind of conclusion to the the, the series. Is it a conclusion? Can you I, for it's... Sure? I don't I think you can say it for certain uh, just because the movie did really well. I could see them going back to it. And there's definitely fertile ground because, I mean, the movie takes place the day after, essentially, maybe a day or two after. And so I would love to see a movie that takes place two months after of like, what's the world looking at like now that, you know, all these people went insane. I mean, they martial lawed the entire country. Uh, All of Canada and Mexico opened up their borders for six hours anyone that wants to leave the u.s could come in there and 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 so that was the whole point of the movie is they have to race down because they're in texas and so they had to I race down the, to El Paso. i love the just arbitrary time specifications like well it was uh for six hours for migration yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it was strange but i think it was because they said that they didn't want too many people in and it was like yeah. between it was like it ended at midnight basically so yeah. they had like six hours but yeah it was i haven't seen any purge movies obviously they've oh expanded what into... i think so no I, I mean i like the con maybe i've seen the first one i like the concept but i don't think i've ever watched any of the movies and like i said you know a big looming lore there that i'm like i don't know if i want to get into that alex i'm gonna keep a uh, i'm gonna keep a little lore counter for our lists and see I'm putting Shang Chi as a 0.5 for lore. Oh, okay, that's fair. It's tied that's in fair. at the end, but uh, you don't have to do any work on this. I'll just I'll recap at the end what our lore scores are. I can tell you this: <laughs> I'm not. I will win the lore score. <laughs> Let's just say that. I'm just. Uh, it's just curious. I like this. Story. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of. Uh, I was gonna say we're even, Steven, At this point, I think nobody was nothing was nobody, and then Forever Purge would be one, right? And you're at yeah. what? I'm at a half point for Shang Chi. I'd say. What was your? Oh, right, right, right. Yes. And in the earth is none. So yeah, none. Uh, Okay. All right. Well, good luck. Okay. Number thirteen. All right. Next up for me would be Judas and the Black Messiah. Nice. Uh, I kind of, I almost forgot that this was this year because we watched it like I feel like we watched it in January. Mm -hmm. We did. Crazy. It was very early in the year. Uh, It was very good though. Obviously, some great performances. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya is always good. Lakeith Stanfield's great. Uh, it's just I love seeing movies about you know the the sort of other side of American history that isn't taught in schools the sort of stuff that we absolutely should be remembering and it just I mean obviously it's a very entertaining movie but it's also just extremely sad to think about these things but the, the other thing that I remember from this movie obviously it's been so long I can't even talk all that much about it but I remember the score being really good and you can yeah. back me up on that Yes, I do. I remember us both saying that the score was awesome. Yeah, I should, that's about I, all I have to say. I, I could have one. included it on my list, and I, it's on my 2021 list, but I didn't only because um, 
you know, like it already went through the Oscars. Like right. all of the, I, I don't get it. How does a movie that comes out in 2021 get to be a part of 2020, but then is like, you know, now it's in our 2021, yeah. but it's just, it's wild, but Hey, that's good. I'm glad it's on there. Um, my number 13 or my third honorable mention is don't look up. Uh, which is that's on Netflix for those of you that don't know it's the new Adam McKay movie uh, loved that movie thought it was awesome watched it again on New Year's Eve with Lisa and she loved it too uh, it is just a very frenetic and stressful movie and it perfectly embodies what so many people have gone through over the last I would say over the last few years but I'm sure some watching it probably were like this is what we've been going through for the last 30 years in terms of whether that was climate change or literally pick anything that's an existential crisis that nobody listens to and uh, you can apply it here. I love the way that they did apply it, though. The only thing that would have made this movie better, Gerard Butler. Come on. I mean, you got a <laughs> comet coming to the earth. They could have even had him just do a cameo. But he, it was he Honestly, he could have played the uh, Ron Perlman character. Yeah. I feel like that would have been great. <laughs> would have been uh, don't Look Up is on my list. It's in my top 10. So nice. should I just talk about it then? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Save it for them. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So my next honorable mention would be old the m night Shyamalan Ooh, okay. horror movie again wasn't expecting much m night Shyamalan's a mixed bag but this one was very entertaining as well i love the premise of it i mean we all know the premise before we even go and see the movie oh they go to the beach and get old mm-hmm. you can understand obviously twist. what's going on there's there's i don't know i don't think there was as much of a twist as some of his other movies um there's kind of stuff to you know, if you're paying attention, you'll see it coming. It's not like super twisty, but yeah, really interesting premise, you know, some great acting, a lot of different characters and just the concept of these people aging on the beach really quickly. It's freaky. It's a freaky movie. It's not, yeah. it's not like a super horror, like scary movie, but it's definitely just a cool thriller with some uh, creepy, creepy elements, I guess. Definitely yeah, I an easy, fun watch. Nice. Uh, my number 12 is The Green Knight, which mm. uh, I know for a fact is much higher on your list. Yes, it uh, will be. That movie, much like the main character, much like a lot behind that movie, uh, I've got a lot of penance to do with this movie. There's a there's a lot of crosswalking. <laughs> there's a dark say. cloud hanging. There's over a dark one. cloud hanging over me. I'm the, the dark knight in that sense that uh, this movie was awesome. This I was really excited to see it. I think I watched one trailer of it and I was like, I know I'm going to like this movie. And, you know, the magic of the day, we got everyone out, Cam was Cam, Cam and Todd, all that. I think Todd was with us, right? Todd was, Cam wasn't here yet. That's so it was right. Todd okay. and Harry that watched it with us. That's right. Yeah. So we all got to go see it. Like, that was such a cool memory. And yes, I did fall asleep uh, for a little bit of the movie, but it was not because the movie was uninteresting. It was just because that movie immerses you and there was just you know there's a lot of dark lights there's a lot of beautiful (laughs) sounds just you know really easy to relax and fall asleep um but i know that i really like everything i saw i was like this movie is just incredible like jaw dropping the the story the mysticism of it the you talk about again this is one of those interesting pieces of uh would you qualify this as lore because it felt like a very, very fresh, very new movie, but it is based. It is based on something. It's based on literal uh, human lore in the sense of the, you know, the Knights of the Round Table. So, um, but I liked it. That's why it's an honorable mention. I can't wait to bump it even higher when I uh, do my rewatch, which I know you and I have. Yeah, I'll join you point. on that. I'm yeah. not. I'm not considering this a lore movie. I don't think it's really a lore. Okay. 
All right, I'm gonna remember well, that. I mean, make to... your case. Make your case. Like what? It's what a movie information based. Do uh-huh. I need to understand that movie going? Who in? is Sir Gwen? Gwen, uh, King Arthur, Guinevere, all of the the players at the round table. You don't think? I that... think they're. I think it's it's kind of just window dressing. Personally, okay. like okay. that's I just I didn't even. Hey, I'm sorry. You're I like boss on forgot this. about that. You I don't. I'm not the track. boss. I think so. In this case, I'm cool. I just don't way. think you need any of that information going in. Look, I don't need the Green Knight to get me to win this lore contest, so you don't have to count it. <laughs> hey, we can count it if you want. That's another one in your in your. I know that's what too. I'm saying. Trust me, I'm gonna. I'll have more later. Uh, okay. What do you got for number eleven? So my final honorable mention, and with a big, a whopping lore point for me, is going to be Spider-Man: No Way Home. Whoa. Okay. okay. It made the list. Okay. Uh, didn't quite crack the top ten for me. I, uh, I liked the lore elements here. I really liked the callbacks to all these old characters. It was great to see, and we're getting the spoilers, but it was great to see, you know, Willem Dafoe killing it. I honestly think he's like the best Marvel villain that there is. He... I, I feel like Marvel's yet to cap uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. And I think Jamie Foxx did great. He was sort of a redemption for him. I actually oh, yeah. was intrigued by Electro rather than seeing the blue skin version from the other movies um and toby mcguire is great seeing the interaction between you know the three different eras of spider-man is fun uh i i didn't really like the plot just because i felt like it was highly preventable by reasonable adults <laughs> i don't know why dr strange is like oh we should not do that but well actually i'll go ahead and do it um that was just kind of silly to me but it's enjoyable i like i mean i like the spider-man movies i have hope for them because I like I I want to give Tom Holland the benefit of the doubt. I like his Spider-Man. I just for me, man, it's the tie-ins to Avengers. It's all that it's that hulking heavy lore that accompanies each of these movies. He's like he's Tony Stark's lapdog. He's you know, Happy's his handler. Like let him just be a kid. Let him So did you like I know we talked about this uh the other night too. Um, but do you feel better then after watching this movie of the possibilities of the future now that all of that lore is essentially gone? For the way it ended, I I hope so. But I also didn't I mean I the fact that he made this decision to leave his friends and not even talk to him was like, okay, why? He doesn't want I mean, to I understand hurt. I understand why, but it's a classic Spider-Man thing. It is super frustrating, but it's like he's doing the right thing, but you hate He made a promise. Doing. He made a promise to Ned and he broke that promise. He did. So he, he deserves did. the worst. He's gonna have to deal with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh what, oh uh Willem Dafoe. Uh did you know that he uh well obviously yeah, probably he's like 63 years old. Um, but when they asked him to come back for this, he said, Yeah, but only if I can do my own stunts. Oh, so like all that. of that is him <laughs> I, I was dropping him through those floors. I read on IMDb trivia that, you know, when he plays Norman Osborn, like, and isn't crazy, he, they have him wear fake teeth. But then when he's in Green Goblin mode, is ours <laughs> which are kind of crazier. I love Will. Wow. He's the man. Strong enough to have it all. <laughs> Too weak to take it. So great. great. Every line he had was just, oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. That was awesome. Glad, glad I made it in your honorable mentions. That's all. Yeah. That's all we can ask for. Uh, funny because, you know, as you probably know, I'm sure that movie's going to score a lot higher on my end. Uh, my final honorable mention is probably going to score a lot higher on your end as well. My number 11 is the French dispatch. Whoa. Okay. Uh, yes. So this movie uh, is in, in my honorable mentions because 
I, as you know, I love Wes Anderson. I've always been a Wes fan. My least favorite Wes Anderson movie. And I had to think about it too, because when we got out of this movie, I was like, is this my least favorite Wes Anderson movie? And then I remembered Rushmore. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I would still want to rewatch this before Rushmore. And so that's that's where I that's my starting point. That's where I say it's why it's not in my top 10, is because one of my as we talked about ad, ad nauseum after the showing of like. I really liked this movie and I liked it a lot, but for a Wes Anderson movie, it's on the lower end of them because yeah. it is such a specific audience that's being targeted here. And uh, it's not me. Uh, he's tar- obviously he targets the Wes Anderson nights uh, as well. Like I loved that, but it was obviously geared way more towards like journalism and uh, you know, free press, all that sort of stuff, which is cool. But there's just was so much in the movie that went right over my head. And it wasn't even bad. It didn't bother me. It was just like, okay, that would have been a pretty funny joke had I, you know, worked for the New York Times for five years or, you know, whatever it ended up being. But the story was cool. I loved the anthology aspect of it. Um, the writing was absolutely, it's Wes Anderson. So, you know, you can't really go wrong with that. But it just, there was a couple of bits of me that helped, held it off from going into the top 10. Uh, yeah. But I, I still thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, I would I would love to watch it again now that I've had so much time to sit and think on it. Well, yeah, I'll uh, I'll have a chance to talk about this movie in a bit. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. But yeah, let's walking uh, into the top ten. Top ten, Stevie. What do you got? Number ten. Okay, number ten is a movie I just watched recently. This is a Thai horror film called Ooh. Medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of an unexpected dark horse. Uh, we were looking for something spooky to watch the other night. And we found this one. It's it's kind of a tra- somewhat not well, obviously not traditional, but the story is kind of a basic exorcism premise, where somebody is uh, you know acting weird, and there's you know the main character is this woman who's a shaman in her culture, and you know she's essentially doing the bidding of a particular god, but you know she's open about the fact that like I can't I'm not. I'm not going to heal medical conditions. I deal with spiritual stuff. And it's just a very, it's a very spooky uh, exorcism possession type of movie. And it's, it's cool to see it through a different cultural lens. Cause we always see the exorcisms and the possession through the lens of like Catholicism. Right. But one of the things I loved about this is obviously it's from a more dominant uh religion in thailand i can't remember what it is specifically but there's another character in the movie i think it's the sister of the shaman who you know converted to christianity and the way they kind of show the church is funny because the church has like a a neon cross outside and i feel like they're kind of making christianity look vulgar compared to the uh traditional religion there and i thought that was cool to see and yeah i mean just the the vast difference in how the things were handled here and just like different cultural aspects but with the kind of traditional exorcism and possession story made for a really cool movie. And obviously it wasn't perfect by any means, but uh, it was definitely enjoyable. And I'd recommend that. I think it was on shutter. I don't know if it's on anywhere else, but a uh, very good movie. Nice. Yeah. Well, I might need to consider getting a shutter subscription at some point, even if it's like for the free month, because it seems like yeah. there's so many good movies on there to watch. Um, that's great though that's cool love hearing when a new movie it makes me wish that there's like four movies on netflix that i've got on my list that are all 2021s and i haven't gotten to them yet like uh it's called the old ways that okay. uh kind of sounded similar to it but yeah I'm, i mean i'm a sucker for exorcism movies so that and the one the, the last thing i'll say on this movie and i think one of the reasons why i liked it so much is that it did not have a happy ending 
Oh, cool. Like, I don't, I don't really want to spoil how things go if, in case anyone wants to watch it, but like, it is not, I mean, it's not, I, it's always kind of interesting in these horror movies. They'll do the thing where there kind of is a happy ending and there's a little twist at the end. It's like, Oh, maybe not, but no, this one just does not end well. <laughs> and nice. that's, that's enjoyable. That is cool. Uh, I'm trying to think the last thing I would think of would be uh, don't look up. It's kind of the same way. Yeah, true. But it still sort of tries to make it feel good, I'd say. That's true. Yes. Yeah. If this is more more dark in that regard. Yeah. All right. My number 10 is The Harder They Fall on Netflix. Mm. Uh, we talked about that a couple episodes back. I know you weren't as big a fan of it, but uh, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. Uh, this is where we're hitting into uh, these are all my nines now for the year, nines and tens. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was so good. Again, my full thoughts are on that episode. Uh, it's a couple back. I think it's episode 198. But um, yeah, love this movie. Just a, a really nice, uh, really nice to see a Western that isn't the typical Western. It was cool to see a black Western in that regard. And then the really nice to see a uh, kind of a, a coming out in a sense for uh, his name. I think his name is James uh, J J E Y M E S Samuel, who was the writer and director for this movie. I think this is the first real thing that he's done real big thing. And he has a very distinct style. And I always love catching new directors when they're in that space of like a Wes Anderson or an Adam McKay, kind of like we're talking about. So I'm really excited to see what this guy does next. Um, but yeah, great movie. Uh, cool. Western. Yeah. I, I mean, I, obviously liked the uh it felt very fresh and that was enjoyable i just have a hard time with westerns and yeah it, me it just too. wasn't very engaging and i don't know if that was the plot or what mm. the acting i thought was great the music was really good and i do i do see some style there from the director but i just like the the story just didn't suck me in at all and i think it's it's hard with westerns for me to stay engaged yeah but hey that's the that's the power of art that yep. affects everybody differently all right, what is your number nine? Okay, number nine. This is going to be a lore movie. I don't know. It's either a half point or a whole point. We can discuss that, but uh, Suicide Squad. Ah, that's a, Stevie, that's a full point. Is it a full point? Because the movie's point. kind of fighting as hard as it can to pretend like the previous one didn't exist. But I see so, your point. <laughs> no, I'm... Well, because what? It requires you knowing that the previous one was terrible. You're right. You're right. It's, a whole, it's a full point lore. That's I'm a just, full pointer yeah hey, that's i really enjoyed good, that one that was a great movie um yeah really fun again the and this is part of the reason why i'm saying a half point is because it is it feels like a standalone movie where you really don't need anything else and it's kind of it's over and it's over there's not really that sense of tie-in but like you said now we're getting this spin-off john cena series so i guess we got to bump it back up to that full point but i liked you know the comedy and it was great I thought the characters were kind of fun and interesting and the special effects were cool. Like the giant uh, starfish thing that was yeah. exciting and the, you know, polka dot man, different things going on. I don't know. I <laughs> sorry, There's a lot of great stuff, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. That was that, also a, with, uh, a memory like movie because we, uh, we watched that the night it came out with uh, Cam and Todd and yeah. I think maybe Harry was there and that was like super late at night in your basement. That was fun. Yeah, I just with these superhero movies, I just want to have fun. So Seriously, for real. That's all. If I get more than that, great. But I, I better not get less than that. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and I'll tell you why in a second because uh, we'll be talking about that movie again. Uh, oh, okay. My number, my number nine is Luca mm. from Pixar, which uh, is not a lore movie, 
but uh, is an awesome coming of age film that really struck home for me. Uh, I, I don't remember if we fully talked about how you felt about this movie either, but like, I just, I loved this movie. I loved the getting to see uh, Italian culture on screen was really cool in an animated yep. format. Uh, all of the stuff that we kind of grew up with, you know, playing outside. Uh, obviously we had a more Americanized version of it, but you know, playing outside in your bare feet, uh, pounding down pasta and, you know, riding your bike, swimming, making friends uh, over the summer, all of that sort of stuff. It's just a really special movie and uh, tons of really cool themes around it as well. Uh, love the animation, obviously. I mean, it's Pixar, but the animation is absolutely gorgeous. They actually just came out with a short too called, uh, what was it? Bruno, uh, not Bruno's Revenge or something like that, but uh, Massimo. It's, it's about his friend and... Um, but it's just great. So I, I love this movie. Got to see this. This came straight to the, this was one of those that I was happy about where it was, you know, it came straight to Disney plus I was called Chow Alberto, but um, came straight to Disney plus didn't have to pay to go see it. Got to watch it yeah. at home and we got to watch it with mom and dad and family when we went out there for, I think it was the 4th of July. Yep. Um, but yeah, this, this movie was really emotional too. There's a lot of really, and it, it was the best kind of emotion. It reminded me of, try maybe maybe like inside out because i feel like like up wally those ones hit you and make you feel sad but this was more of a emotional thinking making you feel really happy and uh i loved that i, I you don't get that yeah. very often so it's yeah a feel good movie mm -hmm. i'll uh it is on my list as well so oh, i'll nice. to say something okay, too. Cool. Cool. nice all right well then what's your number eight uh next up for me number eight is don't look up which, nice yeah, okay we cool. talked a lot a little bit yeah, really enjoyed this one. It's a bit goofier, I'd say, than the typical Adam McKay movie. And I, you know, I understand a lot of people are, you know, heavily criticizing it just for being very on the nose, very cheesy at times. But I don't know. It's just, a, I mean, it's, it's cheesy, but it's very realistic, I think. And the way it's portraying how our society would handle something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just, we're just a mess. So I, I don't know. It's entertaining to watch and understand how realistic a lot of the things are really the one thing that i didn't like would have been there's a scene where they're kind of talking about memes and oh, i just yeah. i've yet to see a movie like that that sort of handles memes or the internet in a way that isn't kind of cringy but uh aside I from how that, accurate yeah, it is it's entertaining it, it probably is accurate but i don't know just like anytime i see a movie that's like creating memes inside of a movie they oh. always feel forced and it's like yeah i don't i don't know like yeah, none of them not, looked like that it's inaccurate memes. But yeah it was just like come on yeah but other than that you know great performances of course from everybody and yeah it was you know it's a very very entertaining movie and i loved the uh for whatever reason the fake teeth for both uh, Mark Rylance and Kate Blanchett were wearing oh yeah 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 that was I, just, I, yeah it was just an odd touch that made me laugh I, but great yeah Mark Rylance killed it I thought I, I he's a <laughs> really he's a really good at, yeah. actor but he gets put in these roles that are just so cherry-picked in that sense like Bridge of Spies it was like come on dude like we get it you want the best supporting actor and then the BFG and, and yada 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 but uh this was like perfect for him yeah oh and he was funny <laughs> yeah he was really funny uh okay my number eight is uh godzilla versus kong okay this uh I'll, I'll say it i'm not trying to say it it was a little higher on my list wow. uh 
or I guess you could say lower, but uh, I realized there's, okay, this is, this is one of those movies where it is a sign. It is a product of the times. This was a big year for Alex when it comes to Godzilla, one of his favorite things. And uh, I watched all of the Showa era films, as you know, Stevie, you were probably on when I was watching some of them. Uh, all the old Godzilla movies, all the, you're talking about lore. You better mark this, this down as a two because I put in like 15 to 20 movies in preparation for this film. I don't know how you do it, Alex. It's like every movie that comes out, you have to, you watch all the backlog of every lore. Well, it, it depends. And a lot That's of it, exhausting. a lot of it is podcast specific. So it's like, okay, if I rewatch all of these, it's going to give me something to talk about. Normally I would not, like, I did not do that for any of the other Godzillas. It was just because this was Godzilla versus Kong. It's supposed to be the last one in that sense. I wanted to go all out. Uh, and I hadn't seen most of those Godzillas. So there's usually a purpose behind it, but you're not wrong. Yeah. I do do that a lot. Uh, but I love this movie. I thought it was great. The animation was incredible. The CGI, um, the story was cool. Obviously, we love, you know, going back to just having fun. This movie would have been so fun to see in theaters. <laughs> I did not get to see it in theaters, which was such a shame. Uh, but right. I did I did watch it on HBO Max and then buy a physical copy uh, because I, I just, I can't get enough of that big lizard and he's just so big and that ape is even bigger well actually the ape, ape's big, big enough lizard. now big ape big lizard big fight uh the only thing much like all the godzilla movies the weakest part about it was the human stories but yeah. the stories in this one were better than the ones in the last one so that part i was appreciative of uh and that's what kind of made it up there but there are still some like eh, that's you know that joke doesn't land or this part yeah. of the story makes no sense but again you're not here for that right you're here you're here to see these big monsters fight uh, yeah i think and, the uh sorry to jump in no but, um i think kong skull island kind of did the human aspect the best yes 100 percent agree um, yep. and yeah that was i liked this movie too i just it didn't crack the list for me but i agree with everything you're saying that like the human aspect was pretty weak but yeah the big fights are cool Mm-hmm. you know we just want to see a big monkey punch a big lizard yeah how about big monkey with big axe swinging at big lizard climbing on right it? oh there's just there's too much this movie gave us so much in the best way yeah uh, okay all right what do you got for number seven number seven for me is going to be the card counter Ooh. this is a uh, paul schrader movie that almost slipped under the radar uh, my mom suggested we go see it when she was in town and it is not really about card counting. It is more so a tale of a guy with uh, PTSD and some sort of, uh, I don't know. Nah, I don't know if it's insane, but it's very dangerous behavior. Uh, great cast of characters here. The acting is very strange. And I think this is just like a Paul Schrader kind of touch that, it, you know, everything feels kind of like sterile, kind of slightly off. Huh. Uh, but it fits, it fits the theme of the movie, of course. And yeah, great performances from it's uh, Oscar Isaac is the lead. You have Ty Sheridan, who's in it as well. He oh, does a good nice. job. And then Willem Dafoe shows Ooh, up as okay. well. So it's, yeah, very uh, unexpected and kind of like I knew nothing going into it other than the fact that it was Paul Schrader and that it was called The Card Counter. And yeah, it's a, it's a really cool, dark movie. Uh, definitely recommend that one. I don't know if it's on anything now. I did see that one in theaters. I don't but, think it is. Yeah, that's a really cool one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that mom was like, this isn't about card counting. Like, mm, <laughs> that's typically how it is. <laughs> yeah. Not much of a gambling movie, but there, I mean, there is some, like he starts, he joins like a poker tournament and stuff. Cause he's, you know, he's good at it. That's sort of his coping me- mechanism for the, 
the military stuff that he's been through. Oh, that makes sense. So when you but say yeah, that he's uh, uh, sterile in his acting, is it is he doing the same performance from Annihilation? Um, not quite that bad. I just mean that, you know, in general in the movie, the dialogue's kind of, it's like a little bit stilted. Not like it's, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, what was it? Killing of a Sacred Deer. Like that movie's very bizarre in the way yeah. characters talk and interact. This was not quite at that level, but of it's course. just kind of a little off. And I feel like maybe, um, what was it? First Reformed was kind of like that too. I can't quite remember, but you know, that I, I feel like it was because whenever well. you say that, like the Schrader feel, I think of First Reformed. And I mean, that's I think yeah, that's certain... what I have to compare it to. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a great movie. Nice. Oh, and Tiffany Haddish is in it too, and I liked I liked her in that kind of a more serious role. She did a good job. Oh, good. Always nice to see them um, playing out of type. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Number seven for me is The Suicide Squad. So uh, when I said that, that was funny is because I originally had it at number nine, but I was like, you know what? I actually think I liked overall. I thought The Suicide Squad was a really good movie, so I bumped it above Luca okay. and Godzilla. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll echo what you said. I mean, part of it too was to me, this was a, um, I don't know what the word is, but this was essentially James Gunn saying, you know, I, it's not, I can't just do Marvel movies or I, I can't, I am more than Marvel. And I think it's just a cool kind of comeback story for him in a sense, because, you know, he had a bunch of indie films and then he gets picked up for, uh, guardians of the galaxy and volume two. And then he kind of gets out there. Everyone wants to work with him. But then that whole thing came up about all the stuff that he said 10 years ago on Twitter, all those jokes that he did. And uh, he got he got canceled, and then um, and during that cancellation, got kicked off of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. And DC said, "Hey, if Marvel won't take him, we will," uh, and asked him to do a revamp of the Suicide Squad, which, when you think about it, is is literally just the Guardians of the Galaxy in a sense, just you know, different but totally James Gunn. Uh, and then we got the best news of all, which was that he was uncanceled. And so now we get to live in a world where we get to see what James Gunn can do for DC and Marvel. And so I was just so happy to see that it's not just Marvel, right? Like he, it, it's him. He, James Gunn is a phenomenal director, phenomenal writer. And he just has this really great zany comedy about him. And this movie showed that. I mean, they threw away so many bad things we hated about Suicide Squad, kept things we really liked. Uh, reminded me a lot of No Way Home in that regard in terms of, you know, revamping some things. Uh, so yeah, in terms of lore, um, that's why I've got it there. But yeah, so that's my number seven. Uh, what about you, Stevie? Number six. Number six for me is when you already hit on Luca. Oh, cool. Wow. Uh, right. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed Luca. Loved the Italian aspect, you know, and I know mom loved it too, because she grew up in Italy for a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, very fun movie. I love the animation and, you know, very imaginative with the whole sea monster stuff. And the fact that, like, the climactic action in this movie is like a triathlon with a bunch of kids. It's just it's just a fun, feel-good movie from Pixar. We know, we know we're getting that from these guys most of the time. And, uh, yeah, it delivers. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot more yeah. to say. I think you gave a I'm, good recap. I'm glad so. it's on your list. Yeah. Uh, number six for me is uh, No Time to Die by James Bond by, M by MGM. And uh, this, <laughs> this was a exciting movie. Uh, I think I told you after I saw it, the James Bond movies, I still think that Casino Royale is my favorite, favorite James Bond movie, favorite Daniel Craig movie. Um, 
but these movies are just it's interesting whenever you ask me like what happened in the movie do you remember I, I told you this after i saw it too i was like yeah it's probably already fading from my mind i don't remember much about what happened in this movie but i have now it's documented that anytime i watch these movies i love them there's yeah. there's so much going on and then the minute you leave the movie it kind of just goes away like there's no there's not a lot of lasting power in it but i think that's part of its charm is that it reminds me of the kingsman movies where it's like they're really good movies when you're watching them but you're never really like thinking about them outside of it um but this was a great culmination to the end of the james bond franchise well i don't know if it's the end of the franchise but for daniel craig i'm pretty sure it's the end and uh he went out in absolute style uh really great story loved the espionage of it there's again it wasn't a perfect movie and it was long but there's a lot of moments that i vividly remember in my head still of it uh particularly towards the end and uh yeah there's just there's a lot of emotion that was in this movie that i didn't expect to be in it so i know you haven't mm-hmm. seen that one yet so i would still yeah, I, I would highly it recommend it definitely a lore movie but i do think it's interesting to point out that with james bond there's not a whole lot of interconnective stuff with the story right Right. i mean it's it's all kind of connected by james bond and the fact that he's going to be doing spy stuff but it's not one of these where you have to pay attention to the plot like it's going to recur in the next movie there might be characters that recur and like different pop-ups like that i think i saw that in the trailer for this one that there's some yeah i'll I'll say coming back to to answer your question from earlier i did not rewatch any of the james bond movies uh going into watching this one and i wish i had uh, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the point of when I was watching it. I was like, I should have watched the movie. It was like, oh, I kind of wanted to watch it. Like I should it made you want to go rewatch the others because it does okay. call out to the other films, but it doesn't do it in a way where you're like, I'm lost. I have no idea what's going on. So you don't need to yeah. rewatch them, but it makes you want to. Yeah, so not quite as like serialized as Marvel things are where 100%, it's like a yeah. sequential story, but yep. Yeah, I do want to see that at some point. Didn't get a chance to yet. I'm sure that feels like something that would come on HBO, but I don't know. I thought it was Warner Brothers, but I guess it's it's MGM. Uh, Okay, what is... All right, we're here. We're at the the top Top five. five? Top five. What do you got for number five? Number five for me. I can't even remember if you watched this one or not, but Malcolm and Marie. I did Did watch that movie. movie? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was good. I didn't think it it didn't make my list. I love Malcolm and Marie. It's a... Obviously, it's a very... uh, I don't know. I guess artsy. It's it's black and white. It's just sort of a two character movie where it's like marriage you know, story. Yeah, John David Washington and Zendaya are the leads, and the entire movie is just them essentially arguing throughout this night. And it's that's the premise. It's very simple, very contained. I really like movies like that. They don't come along all that often, but this one was just very very engaging. You know, the dialogue is really, you know. I don't know what the right word is. Electric, I guess. It did feel but, like you that. Know, a lot of great back and forth. I mean, these are two fantastic young actors. John David Washington should be in every movie. I feel like him being called the protagonist in Tenet is a sign of things to come. He should be the protagonist in a lot of movies. And Zendaya, man, it's it's kind of jarring to see like the difference in, I don't know, maturity and like the amount of effort and stuff required between that role and her role in No Way Home. So obviously I saw Malcolm and Marie first and I was like, I haven't seen a whole lot from her in terms of, you know, like really heavy acting. I was like, wow, she's really good. And then No Way Home is just kind of just, you know, MJ doesn't really have a whole lot to do there. So that was kind of surprising, but I'm sure she made a lot more money doing that one. So oh. good for her. <laughs> but yeah, Malcolm and Marie is a really cool movie. It's pretty quick, I think. Uh, definitely check it out. 
then I believe it's it should still be on Netflix. No, yeah, it was a Netflix movie. Your, where's your number five? Number got... five, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Wow, that's I... the is what is that the uh, extended cut or whatever it's called? The yes. Snyder cut. <clears throat> the Snyder cut. The only Snyder reason I've got cut. it, I've got it on here because it's a separate entry on IMDb. It's its own thing. It got its own Blu-ray release. I, I mean, if that's what you were asking about, is that you know Justice League came out in 2016 or whatever. But right. um, this movie was just insane. Like the fact that I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan. I haven't made that a secret ever. I love him, and for him to be able to get to redo a movie that I and many others thought was not very good, uh, that thought that there was a lot of potential in it, and to see that potential come to screen the way that it did. Uh, was just amazing and for it to be free on hbo max was even better uh there's just so much that was so good about it i mean everyone's roles were improved so like wonder woman kicked butt in this movie the amazons did i loved cyborg and flash and i hated them in the first movie so there's just there was a lot of shifting of mindsets with this film that just it like i said it was a powerful movie i was engrossed the entire four hours and it felt like it was only like an hour and a half Four hours. Four right? hours and two minutes. Good Lord. Yeah, I did not watch that one. I remember you guys watching it, I think, multiple times, right? I may have, yeah. You might There's have. a good chance because, again, it was just, it was so easy to watch, too. And it's funny. You look at that, and then you, you look at, like, Wonder Woman 2, and I saw that and was like, I'm never watching this again. So it just really goes to show what a good filmmaker can do. You'll sit through four hours of that, but what about The Irishman? Oh, I sat through all of that on the plane. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I didn't fall asleep either. It took it took up the whole plane flight. Yeah, I I don't know. I I remember thinking the original Justice League movie was okay. I didn't have strong feelings about it, but obviously I'm not like invested in the superhero movie stuff the way you and a lot of people are. So I didn't. I mean, personally, yeah, I'm not not interested in sitting through four hours. Hey, that's that's but fine. Good to hear it was a you know marked improvement from the OG release. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, number four. What do you got? Okay, number four for me is the Little Things. Ooh, whoa! Did you see that one? I did. Yeah. Little Things is the. It's a movie. It was on HBO when I saw it. It might be back on. It's there on now. there now. Yeah, for permanent. It's uh, Denzel Washington and Jared Leto and Jake Gyllenhaal, I believe. Am I crazy? Is it Jake Gyllenhaal? I don't think it's Jake Gyllenhaal. You might be thinking of Prisoners. There's some other. Yeah, it's some, no Rami Malik. Rami Malik, that's right. He's yeah. I don't know why I thought it was Jake Gyllenhaal, but so it's it's obviously it's sort of a cop uh, thriller, you know, serial killer investigation kind of thing. And man, huge shout out here to Jared Leto for, you know, he he loves doing this transformative stuff. You know, you look at him in another movie I didn't see this year, House of Gucci. He's you know kind of an old chubby guy chubby italian man and then this one he's like super gaunt terrifying serial killer vibe and i love the fact that you know again this is a movie that you know i love a lot of times you'll watch these cop or detective dramas and by the end you know you'll figure out oh it was so and so oh it was this and that you never figure out what actually happened in this one all you're dealing with by the end is the decisions that the police made with the information they had and so you're, you're left wondering as to whether they made the right call. And I don't know, I like that. And I just thought the performance is really good. It's a very creepy movie, very, you know, under your skin. I do remember having a couple of gripes with it. I think just that the, uh, 
maybe that the score was kind of weird at a few points. Like maybe the the movie felt a little too happy sometimes when it shouldn't have been, mm. but it's a very enjoyable uh, little uh, serial killer thriller, serial mm. thriller maybe. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, Lisa and I watched that on HBO when it uh, came out. It was a great couch movie. It was awesome. We really liked it. <laughs> I love I love that. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I, I guess that'd be a cool conversation to have. But like, that's the kind of movie where I don't need to see that in theaters. It'd be cool to, it's obviously cool to see any movie in theaters, yeah, but no, when you're know, thinking of you like mean. the wide scope of the screen, there's, you know, there's not much for that, but like, I yeah. love the, the interior, vividly remember the interrogation scene, but then also the, uh, the scene where he's like following, um, what, Jared Leto around, and you're just like, is this guy a serial killer, is he? Uh, but then the yeah. best part obviously was like the end when they're in the, the place digging. Well, and one touch I really loved, you know, being a lawyer myself, there's this scene where, um, you know, the girl is brought into the police station. They want her to identify the killer that she saw at some rest stop. And like right before that identification, she goes to the bathroom unsupervised and sees Jared Leto in the lobby. And then when she goes back in for the identification, she picks him out of the lineup and they're all excited. And she's like, you're gonna like that's the guy that was here or something they figure out that she saw him and like that's a tainted witness you can't like you can't use that identification anymore because she's just doing it because she assumes that he's the bad guy because she saw him like even if she did actually see him before it's like you can't there's not enough evidence at that point anymore i loved a little touch like that i've not seen that in a a cop movie maybe it's been done before but that was that was entertaining to see yeah yeah i did i do remember that part too because i was like oh that i didn't think of it in that way though but i just remember being like that's crazy she was yeah because it's like you can't you can't base it on that identification which you just saw the guy in the lobby that's why they were trying to sequester her and then suddenly somebody slipped up and she went to the bathroom and saw him on the way and it was like oh no oh (laughs) Oh, no and you were thinking oh yes (laughs) this is perfect get this no, case thrown yeah. out it's a great uh, movie yeah yeah that was that was a good that was the that i believe that was the first hbo max movie that could be it was i think it was little things and then um judas and the black messiah hmm. uh all right so you said number four yep that was four for me all right make sure you got your ticker pencil out because well, here, here we go here we go number four shang chi and the legend of the ten rings all right uh boy oh boy what a film stevie you said it best uh love that it's contained love the fights in this movie uh marvel did a really good job this year with the fights so i know black widow is not on my list uh but i loved a lot of the fights in that movie too uh but this movie just had some really dynamic fights not only that uh but this movie had a killer soundtrack that was my uh, i believe was my number two for the year all original soundtrack uh mostly asian artists which was great to see and uh, the story as well was just awesome. I mean, you get like the the dance between his mom and his dad when they first meet, uh, the bus fight, the the final battle. There's so much to love about this movie. And I like you said, it's probably one of my most favorite Marvel origin stories ever. So yeah, that's, that's one thing I forgot to mention that I really enjoyed was the not one but two Jackie Chan stunt callouts. The first being the bus fight. Right. That's like an iconic one from one of the police story movies. And the second is the whole bit they're doing outside the skyscraper on the bamboo scaffolding, which is directly pulled from Rush Hour 2. Yeah. A lot of I'm influence. A, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a Jackie Chan head. I'm a bit of a Rush Hour head. So that was cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, I'm trying to think. 
I had, I, I think we talked about it in our episode way back when, but I know there was a lot more than that too. There was a lot of call outs to a lot of other, uh, I'm trying to think there's like a Bruce Lee. Oh, they, they called out, I think was, was big boss when uh, the mom is like trying to protect her kids and the iron gang comes in and it's like 50 of them and it's just her. Obviously uh, it's a very different outcome than big boss, but um, I, I think that was a call out too. Yeah. That kind of stuff's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just, just really cool to see that movie. I'm glad it exists. Uh, okay, what do you got for number three? Top three. <clears throat> number three. This one might surprise you only because, I mean, maybe it should be a little higher. And I think it, obviously it's. Oh no. I know it's on your list too, but Dune is going to come in at number three for me. Okay. Dune, of course, is going to be another lower point for me. Um, Dune is you know the epic tale that was never told. It's you know the classic uh, Frank Herbert tome that yes. was never quite done justice through movies you had the uh, Jodorowsky's grand attempt that the never was yes. the movie that never became and then of course you had the David Lynch version of the 80s that was kind of cheesy and just goofy and I mean it would have been interesting had he done it you know more David Lynch style but honestly it, it would have been kind of a disaster either way but you get a guy like Denis in charge I mean come on this is he's like the king of sci-fi at this point with that and Blade Runner 2049 and Arrival. You just got a great touch for these kinds of movies. And yeah, I I mean there's I could talk for way too long on this movie. Just great acting, great score, great cinematography, great set design. Everything is just really cool. I the reason it's not higher for me I think is the fact that it's just a part one. And you know, you get to the end and it's like, oh, there's a whole other movie that's coming. And like, yeah, it's a lot of story to tell. So I understand that, but it just kind of felt incomplete. And it is incomplete by design. And of course, there's a lot of sand. Um, that's by design as well. But uh, desert power inevitably is going to take a little bit for me because I love a big, colorful sci-fi. Like I'm thinking of Blade Runner 2049 and how, you know, vivid all the sort of cyberpunk imagery is there. And this one's, you know, it's more natural. And like you said, there's desert power, there's space worms, there's all kinds of stuff. It's, don't get me wrong, this is an amazing movie. It's this high on the list for a reason. We watched it, what, three times in like the opening weekend? And it felt effortless when we watched it. I mean, I even nodded off during the movie, but that wasn't during the first show too. (laughs) But it just, that point, the nod was because of how much I loved that movie that it's like, you know, movie's good. It's you know, it's good when you can pass out during it for a little bit, take a little breather, a little. We got it. We got ourselves a sleepyhead, Alex. How many <laughs> movies you've fallen asleep in? Those are the only two of the year. No, that, I think that, that might have happened on the second go around of Dune. It, the, well. it was the same for a us. Little bit. Yeah, we were sleeping together basically. We were getting tapped into the lore. We were getting tapped into some <laughs> desert power. We were. I mean, it's hard not to fall asleep when you're staring at that comfy sand. Yeah, I'm very excited for the second one. <clears> just to <throat> say. Yeah, especially yeah. with it being announced and confirmed that it's coming 2023 is turning into an epic year i thought 2023 dune for me that's right dune for you and me 2022 no doom for you yes yeah exactly uh okay my number three is eternals Mm, so okay. i uh and i did do well i don't have to explain myself about doing i did a last minute switch not with this movie but <laughs> with i i've been struggling all of you listening with my number one and number two films and so you'll get to hear that struggle here in a second but number three is eternals chloe jaw is just is i i can't even go into it i mean you and i spoke on it briefly uh sarah and i talked about it for 
almost four hours uh, on what is the longest episode of comics and cinema uh, about how much we love this film. There's just so much to love. I love the fact that it uh, uh, feels so fresh in the sense of us getting 10 brand new characters right off the bat, uh, basically a brand new Avengers. I mean, the movie opens with like an Avengers type of feel, but you don't really appreciate it because it's the beginning of the movie. Uh, we get a lot of Terrence Malick in this film. Chloe's really pulling from a lot of inspiration from him, which she has also confirmed, uh, along with some other movies, too. I mean, the characters were great. The story was awesome. The The visuals and scope were massive. Uh, this, honestly, like, if I, if I was picking favorite Marvel movies ever, this would be one of them, uh, just because really? it's so different from a lot of the other Marvel movies. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if I only had like five Marvel movies, if I was allowed to have, I would, this would be in the list for sure, because it just, it's so expansive and it's, I love, I love history. I love natural history or world history. And I also love space. I love aliens. So it hits on so many different things for me. That's why. I, it's strange because I feel like the reason I didn't like it is because it wasn't different enough. Like I understood everything that you're saying about, and I was expecting, you know, Chloe Jai's, she's got these great uh malik style films and i was expecting more of that but at the end of the day it's like it is a marvel movie they got to accomplish certain things check certain boxes and it just felt you know like she's forced to kind of paint between the lines kind of thing um but there were a lot of good aspects to it i didn't i wouldn't say that i disliked the movie i just i didn't like it as much as obviously as much as you did it didn't make my list but it wasn't it wasn't a bad movie i just I expected a bit more of breaking the mold because at the end of the day, it was still kind of the same. It felt like an Avengers style team up where it's like, let's get the gang together, you know, and defy the programming and take down the big baddie before it threatens the existence of everything. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) my biggest gripe, the biggest gripe of all is the fact that they're all acting like humans and earth are so special. Like, come on people. I know there's other planets out there that are better than we are. Let's not pretend like we're the best. But I guess it's, you know, when you're making a movie on Earth, you got to have that sort of like a global patriotism. That's right. Well, that's globalism. I guess. Yeah. Just treat it like uh, humankind. There's something different. That was like the thing. They're like, there's something different about this planet. It's like, you mean to tell me that all the other planets you've been on are not worth saving and here you find us? Right. Yeah, look at, our no, history. It's a, look at all the awful things we've done. There's a lot of really interesting conversations to be had with that. That is definitely meant for a, a different podcast episode. <laughs> all I'll say is you're wrong. No, I'm kidding. Um, the this that's one of the things I really liked about this movie too, though, was that this was one of the more divisive Marvel movies. It was, and there you had that. a ton of people like myself who loved it, and you had a ton of people like you and worse than you that hated yeah, it and didn't worse, like it. Yeah. And I liked that. I like I, it, it, in a weird way, it kind of gets old. Every single Marvel movie being so good, right, Stevie? You know, everyone comes well, out yeah. at the end and it's like, oh, this movie was perfect. No, no. I'll tell you what's not getting old is the paychecks and the critics' pockets. Oh, 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 no. oh, oh. But no, I know exactly what you mean. And I listen. You give me crap all the time for loving movies that everybody else hates so maybe you got a little taste of that where it's like hey i'm in on it you guys just maybe didn't connect with it and that's okay like that's right yeah that's hey you you taught you and you alone taught me how to love Kristen stewart and uh she is (laughs) i am now i'm now part of that of of you know loving even her worst performances so so yes i totally agree uh okay number two number two is one you mentioned green knight Green Knight. Green Knight wow. is high on the list. I love this movie. 
um such a fun i mean it was like mystical and it's just a very engaging movie from all aspects it's colorful there's great um cgi stuff going on and it honestly felt at times like some night gallery scene stitched together yeah just going on this adventure and there's all these you know bizarre characters and quests and stuff that he's kind of doing and just i mean i don't know like as far as medieval movies go that's a hard sell for me it's kind of like westerns where yeah you know you give me the same kind of medieval tale or western movie like there's that medieval one with timothy chalamet that was on netflix that i know no interest in seeing i don't know if i can't really talk bad about it but it's just like i get exhausted looking down the barrel of those kinds of movies and i don't remember if i even saw a trailer for this one beforehand i might have but the fact that you have this weird green knight creature who's like "Mm, let's play a game like sort of a medieval jigsaw or something yeah and it just turns into this really cool quest about you know the lead character i can't remember his name Gwen. Is that I don't oh I know I would were you asleep in the movie? I just don't pay attention to it's, yeah, like Sir Gwaine. But you know, he's trying to find himself and you know learn what it means to be a knight or to be a man. He's kind of set up to do this thing, but he's got to do it on his own. It's just a really, really cool movie, and I can't wait to watch it again because yeah, I was just completely entranced watching it. Yeah. Shout out to 824, I guess. I don't know if that gives like a quarter point of lore for the a24 but we're not doing that because yeah no i, I, I truly don't I think you count that either because i think the iron the irony is that if it is an a24 movie you can almost count on it being an absolutely original film so right it's like the yeah. opposite of lore but yeah absolutely loved it and would, I, I can't remember if the director is someone i know or not do you know uh is that somebody famous david uh, lowry but, who did oh yeah he yeah did. he did ghost story that's right he also ghost did story old was another... man and the old man and the gun he did that pig movie that did. I haven't seen. Wow. He didn't do pig. Or he's listed in, he did something with Piggy. He, he didn't direct it. Upcoming. Oh, he did Old Man and a Gun. That was another great movie. Yeah, he did. Those were, yeah, his directing ones. Yeah, they, he, uh, Ghost Story was a really good movie. Ghost Story, yeah. He was probably but, a producer on Pig. Yeah, Green Knight. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out. Very cool movie. Definitely worth your time. And yeah, I'm, you and I have a, a date with Destiny. To see that movie and uh, atone, like you said, for your yes. sleepyhead tendencies. Yeah, We've all I'm, been there. I'm I'm very ready. Yeah, that's the that's the bummer is I can't remember when I've fallen asleep in a movie before that moment. You know, we used to always tell the to tell the tale of uh, one of my favorite films, Ratatouille, and how uh, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Jake had uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we for those of you who listen, we, one of our best friends, Brian. Uh, when we were growing up, this is uh, who I was thinking about when I watched Luca. Uh, you know, when we were growing up, he had a bigger brother. We had gone to see Ratatouille at one point, and it was uh, love that film. I mean, we can all relate to Remy and, and his quest for f- food, but uh, we were like, Oh, Brian, you know, do you, do you go see Ratatouille? And he was like, He goes, No, I didn't. Jake, Jake went and saw it, I think he said, and uh, said it was really bad. And I was like, What? what he was like yeah jake said it was so bad he actually went to sleep in the movie like he, he made a point to explain that he didn't fall asleep he went to sleep he, yeah, he like, moved the, the armrests arm up, up. Yeah. he moved the armrests up and laid long ways along the seats and went to bed uh which is insane for ratatouille but hey we, we have our moments 
that the green knight and dune those are the only moments i can think of of nodding off in a film so i don't do it that much but uh when i do it's only in the best of films so uh honored that uh, my brain knows that <laughs> it's just so much goodness is coming in my brain can't handle it and just shuts off for a little bit it's got to do a, a hard reset <laughs> it's a reboot uh, yeah that's right <laughs> hard reboot so okay so that was your number two yeah uh, my number two very similar to your number three it's dune loved that movie i was toying between this and my number one which uh, i'm sure we I already know what it is, is now yep. uh and i just switched them now for the same reason i was really i was really trying to find ways to keep dune at the top but it truly does come down to the uh stevie smile it, just, it really does come down to the fact that it's a part one that we got a part two. I have I have full utter confidence that maybe Dune Part Two will be number one the year that it comes out. I want to give it a little bit of room to grow. But like I said, if I if I had it my own way, it would be basically number one and number one as well. Like these two, so interchangeable. But love Dune, love the soundtrack, love the score, love the opening of it. Uh, when we went and saw Eternals for it would have been the second time, the theater actually started playing Dune instead, and uh, I wasn't mad which is huge. I was excited. I was like, oh, how much of this are we going to get to see? Uh, Just everything about that movie. And I'll say this, I I bought the book to read before the movie. So there's, again, there's some lore personally involved in this as well. Uh, And I got about 10 pages into it and put it down. I was like, I can't read this book. It's too, way too dense, way too complicated. Saw the movie, immediately hooked, went back to the book and I was like, oh, all of this makes sense now because now I know what the Gam Jabbar is and I know what the Bene Gesserit is and you can't understand what those words are in your head unless you actually hear them spoken out loud. So yes, yeah, Dune, but now now it's time to whisk ourselves away to the last thing on our list, our number one film number of 2021. One. Uh, peak of st- Cinema. Yeah, Peak of Cinema, Stevie. What, uh, what kind of peak you got for us? My favorite movie of the year is French Dispatch. Here we go. There it is. It was. I'm glad to hear it actually made your honorable mentions because I, I feel like you were a little sour on it when we got out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, as far as Wes Anderson goes, like like you said, it's an anthology and that's something new. And I think he pulled it off really well, tying it to sort of different essays in the newspaper. And yeah, it's just you got you got all your classic actors that appear in all the Wes Anderson movies, including a bunch of new ones. And it's just super imaginative. And this is, I think, the most densely written film he's ever made. I agree. I mean, and also he's got to write it in sort of three different writing styles or tones because each one is, each story is kind of told from the perspective of the character who wrote it for the paper. So there's like subtle shifts there, but it's just, I mean, I don't know. He's just firing on all cylinders. It's hard to really describe what makes Wes Anderson's movies so great to somebody who doesn't watch them. But it just, I mean, nobody else could make a movie like this. And yeah, each of the stories were really cool. I think the one in the middle that was uh, Timothy Chalamet and Francis McDormand, that was probably the weakest of the three for me personally. But the other two are super engaging. You have uh, Benicio del Toro, who's a an artist who paints a masterpiece while he's in prison. And then there's just this whole art world ensuing out of that. And then there's the, there's the uh, chef for the police. Yep. who's one of the best chefs in the city. And Jeffrey Wright is the reporter who's doing the sort of food column. And while he's eating this meal from the chef, the police chief's son gets kidnapped and there's this whole thing there. And there's even an animated sequence towards the end of yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. It's just, 
I mean, man, I, I don't know what you could possibly want more out of a movie. This kind of hits every possible, you know, corner of the page. It's just, it's got it all. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch it again. I actually just bought it today on Blu-ray mm. and, uh, I think Joey said he bought it too. So we might have to watch that together because I can't wait to see it again. Wow. That's like, I don't know. It's hard to rank the Wes Anderson movies for sure. I feel like it's got to be top five, but I feel like that, that change or that, that list is always going to change for me. So I don't know. It's hard to, hard to say. It's fluid. I, I, and it's funny too. I I've said this on so many of these episodes now of like, as much as, as as fun as it is. And I know as much as everyone enjoys listening to this, like I hate ranking things because it just, tomorrow my mind may change and, and like difficult. this like dune in the my own this number one like I, who knows where it's going to be tomorrow i mean i look back at some of these lists and i'm just like wow like this movie was not as good as i remember it that's it's just that's how it is it's it's a product of the times but yeah but yeah that movie is great there was um there was something you were mentioning about it um that I, oh right what would you describe to someone who's never seen a wes anderson movie i would say that wes anderson is the king when it comes to attention to detail yeah. and when it comes to the creation of detail, I think that that's, that's his thing. And I, I'm trying to find other ways of putting it around it, but it's like the way that he writes is so dense because he catches every little thing when he's, when they're talking, but every scene, everything is in the exact right spot. Every thing is hung up. Everything like everything has a purpose in every scene. And so few people are able to do that and pull that off in a movie the way that it's like, he almost he dares you to look for that stuff like he's like i need you to be looking at the scenery i need you to enjoy the surroundings whereas other movies it's like just put all this stuff here and we'll you know we'll figure it out yeah very Um, symmetrical the camera is almost always like perpendicular to what's going on very still shots and yeah a lot of just great color with you know wardrobes and everything else it's just all how much can we fit in one shot how much detail can we put in one shot that is you know exactly yeah it's he truly is one of a kind and i i'm so glad that i mean it's not like he's that old but he just keeps cranking out i know movies and they're all so enjoyable like what you know last was isle of dogs and that i think was another really great movie it's it's, he's not like slowing down i think he's he's hit his stride and he just continues to make fantastic one-of-a-kind movies yeah, I can't wait to see what he does next. And I'm even so much more excited because I know it won't be about journalists. So, uh, <laughs> you know, because he won't repeat himself. So that's great. That's true. Uh, got that one out of the way. Um, so, yeah, uh, number one movie on my end. All of you probably could have guessed this. Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, and again, I tossed and turned between this and Dune. These are my two tens for the year, are, are Dune and Spider-Man. Okay. And, and Spider-Man was interesting because, and I'll give you guys a sneak peek again, I'm, I'm always in the process of curating my uh, Marvel list. But right now I have Spider-Man at number two underneath Avengers Endgame. So as I was kind of pulling it through these rankings, I, and I what I've tried to do, my, my best guess now when I do rankings is when you're doing two, which movie would you rather watch right now? If you had to watch a movie and do it right now, which one would you want to watch? And so I really put that pressure on myself. And I was like, yeah, I'd rather watch Spider-Man than Infinity War, which is crazy because I love Infinity War. But Spider-Man just, and I hate making these endgame comparisons because you'd say, okay, you know, endgame, 10 years, 23 films, uh, all of this build up to this big portal scene of everyone returning from the dead, coming through the portals to save the day. Well, Spider-Man has that exact same thing in it. 
You've got even longer time, 20 years of cinema history, over 10 films or whatever that ends up being. Uh, and you have a portal scene where two Spider-Men come through and it just, but it's a totally different portal scene. It's very quiet. It's very measured. And uh, that's just one of a hundred things that I love. I like about that you're movie. talking about the, uh, the subtle differences between portal scenes. Yes. Yeah. That's I funny. mean, Hey, we have to, because otherwise they're all the same. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I, I love this. I love that they were able to make a Sinister Six movie, but do it even more efficiently with five villains, uh, that all of the villains came back. I love that they all were better in this movie than they were in their other movies. Uh, I thought that was great. I loved the choice that Peter makes at the end, but I also hated it. And I uh, love that we got to see uh, a little bit of Netflix action as well in this with Matt Murdock from the Netflix series as Daredevil. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, besides that, I just like I love the the whole plot of the movie. Again, you know, I said I love space. I love all that stuff, but I love multiverse type stuff, too. I love the things that really make you question your reality. And so this was a very mind bending experience that I think is just a prequel to what's going to happen in Doctor Strange next year. But we're not speculating oh, about future movies. Yeah, uh, we're enjoying was, this current one. Oh, yeah. I but yeah, there was a trailer at the end. What do you think of that? That I didn't. I mean, that's tends to be the things that ruin Marvel movies for me is the little tie in is the after credit scene. And this one was no different because it was. But it was honestly worse because it was literally just a trailer for Doctor Strange. I don't like Doctor Strange. I've, there's no secret about that. And I think a lot of it is personal animosity towards Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I don't know why I just yeah. don't like him as an actor. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not interested in it. Of course, the special effects look cool. And that was the one concession I'll make for the other Doctor Strange movie. But I just, yeah. I'm not interested in his portrayal of that character. It just doesn't, it feels fake to me. Yeah, I'm going to have well, to. Alex, They're... back me up on this. You're the comics expert. In my mind, Doctor Strange should be should look like a little more gruff, or a little more solid. I'm like almost like uh, Mr. Fantastic or something. Whereas Benedict Cumberbatch just looks, his face is just very alien and very smooth. And I don't know, it just, it's off-putting for me. Am I, am I completely missing the mark as to how he's represented in the comics? Because I'm thinking of like pictures of Doctor Strange that I've seen in comic books or on you know whatever and it just it does not match benedict for me he's always looked a bit like benedict cumberbatch really in comics yeah i mean he's he's a lot more of a kind of spindly man i mean you got to think about it he was a neurosurgeon before he became the master of the mystic arts so he's not like some triathlete he has no he doesn't have a well, lot of physical like capabilities. Tri i'm just talking like in his face really who is the other person you mentioned uh, I was thinking like Mr. Fantastic. Oh, they both yeah, have yeah. The great yeah you're right. The They've got they're they're similar. I would say Mr. Fantastic's face is a little thicker than Doctor Strange, but that I mean that's uh, preference at this point. I mean it's all up to who they pick. Yeah. Though they clearly like Cumberbatch because he's been in. I mean he's only had one Doctor Strange movie and he's like one of the most popular characters at this point. But because he, he keeps showing up in everyone else's stuff, which I know you love. We love but, that. Yeah, we love our lore. So speaking of lore, Stevie, here we are at the end of our lists. What? Uh, how's that score stack up? The lore count for me, I've got three and a half points, and that would be for um, Dune, Suicide Squad, No Way Home, and Shang Chi. And for you, it is nine points. Well, I oh. guess. Uh, I guess it'd probably be eight and a half because oh. we said Shang Chi is a half point. 
Yeah. Nice. I win. I'm the winner. <laughs> You're the lore boy. Well, I think, look, I love lore. I love the idea that through really tough times, we have this thing we can fall back on. Obviously, you know, it's a crutch like anything else that is a substitute for, you know, your own self-work when you're, you know, inner doing your inner thinking. But it is always nice to have a great distraction like a movie, uh, especially one where you're invested in it because that's, you know, as humans, we are nothing but stories, right? That's, that's what it means to be human. You tell your stories, you live your stories, you pass them down. And I think that's why people love lore so much is because it feels like you're a part of another family. You're a part of another life. You know that every year, a couple movies are going to come out that are going to make you feel good. Or again, whatever lore that is, whether it's uh, upcoming, what do we got? John Wick, which was moved to 2023. Transformers, which was also moved to 2023. Um, I, I feel like every big ticket item movie now is like a lore movie. So, hey, take it or leave it. That's what we've got. But um, Stevie, thank you so much. We pulled it off. We did our top 10 again. This is, uh, this is crazy. So we did one last year. And then we also did, do you remember the uh, top films of the decade? Oh, of course. That was, that a, was a long episode. That was a great one. Yeah. Was, I remember <clears throat> sitting in your basement doing that. Going I know. Going shooting the breeze. Had uh, popped up a bunch of popcorn. And uh, I feel like we had a beer too. Yeah, what? But... Well, I'll see you in eight years. We'll do another one. That's right. Yeah, get ready. I'll <laughs> make sure I have the Pasadena popper with us. But yeah, thanks again. Go. This was super fun. Uh, thanks to all of you who listened. Hopefully, let us know what you think uh, about your top tens. Did they stack up? Are they the same? Who knows? But thank you guys so much for listening for Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and we will see you at the movies. Alex, I can take, I can take a pause here. <coughs> well, edit this out in post? Right. We'll take care of it in post. What we'll do is uh <clears throat> i'm just gonna start back on say all right what was your number five? Oh, okay and you could because i'm trying to think of when i started coughing but you were in the middle of a sentence and so it'd be a lot harder to cut you off <clears throat> sibilance sibilance <laughs> here we are at the top five all right stevie what is your number five from the top again yeah number five for me netflix movie malcolm and marie did you see this one? You did. <laughs> I uh, I did. I did see it. For those of you listening, if uh, if you are wondering what, I hope this was seamless and you didn't notice anything. But I swallowed a little bit of water down the wrong pipe and was just coughing for like five minutes. So uh, if it was seamless, hey, I'm I'm a pretty good editor. If not, I'm so sorry. But yes, Stevie, start. I cut you off in the middle of Malcolm and Marie. I did. I saw it. I liked it. I thought it was good. It's not on my list. Tell me what you love about this movie. Yeah, just I'm just going to say I know you can Frankenstein this together because you didn't start <laughs> coughing that early. But uh, yeah, Malcolm and Marie, is it's a black and white film. It's just Zendaya and John David Washington. Uh, there are a couple just arguing throughout a night.